This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, North Star. When exposed to the sun's ultraviolet rays, my IQ accelerated to 1,000. It's estimated that Einstein only used 9% of his mental capacity, and here I am using 75% of mine. In order to go outside, Allison began work on a pair of chemically treated glasses, which would eliminate ultraviolet rays. I was warned not to look directly into the sun. It's harmful for anyone to look into the sun, but in my case, there was an additional factor. Not only might I go blind, but Allison told me that I'd be risking unknown dangers. Welcome to Continuum Drag. The podcast that's in Greg Hevigan this week. <laughs> oh, I'm br- Luke, bravo here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I I, I enjoyed that. By the way, uh, we're we're always in Greg Hevigan. I have something I want to propose to you, and that's what's real this week, which is, I think we have to officially anoint Greg Evigan as our first patron saint of the podcast. Patron saint of the podcast? Yeah, he's our first. We're gonna eventually there'll be more, but if there's gonna be number one that gets anointed as a saint, it has to be Greg Evigan. Because first he's Jake, now he's Jack. I, I mean, I don't disagree. He's he's a wonderful man. I love everything he does. He can he, do no wrong. He dances. He sings. He acts with a monkey. You know, whatever he wants. <laughs> well, uh, that, I guess, is a good prelude to what we're watching this week. The, the failed pilot TV movie, North Star, starring Greg Evigan. Uh, is North Star all one word? It is, right? I believe the title is all one word, yes. Yeah. This is gonna be a fun one to talk about because it's an it's a it's an odd little duck, huh? It's a weird one. Now I have a question for you though, because I started watching this and uh, my mind was blown. But did you ever see the Ben Stiller directed? I'm not sure if it was a faux TV pilot or an actual TV pilot for a show with Jack Black and Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson played a talking motorcycle. No, I definitely did not see this. Jack Black played an a- played an astronaut who, in the opening credits, explains when his ship flew too close to the sun, his brain expanded like cookie dough, making him the smartest man in the world. And it, it even it even culminated in him screaming, "I know everything." So what you're getting is that joke they did on that show was for the three people who had seen North Star. Well, the entire show is just basically about him trying to solve action adventure crimes with his talking motorcycle while the before the sun goes down. So. It is just this show. Like, that entire program was a parody of this particular failed pilot. I had no idea it existed. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I mean, we'll get right into it. So this show is sort of like a Knight Rider or something like that, where there's a, there's a high concept to set things up, but really what you what you have is a weekly adventure with someone who's got, in this a case, superpower. a superpower. Yeah. Well, uh, it aired on August 10th, 1986. What was happening on August uh, in 1986, Luke? Nothing to note, apparently. (laughs) Nothing to note, huh? There was nothing happening. I couldn't find anything worth noting. In August 1986. Now I can't think of anything either. Yeah, what were you, like four years old? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't doing much. I was probably uh, uh, laying on the couch, uh, listening to the the radio. Lionel Richie was was pumping out or something, you know? This is what you did as a four-year-old? I don't know. Maybe. 
I I maybe had a go, <laughs> I maybe, maybe had a GoBot in my hand while it was happening. A GoBot. Remember GoBots? The off-brand Transformers. Yeah, I liked GoBots. I'm sorry, you you were a poor kid, huh? You no, know, well, I I you know you got you got to put your uh, throw your allegiance behind one of them, and I unfortunately picked the GoBots. <laughs> this, the, this was your childhood, just going getting yeah. behind all the off-brand material. Be- beta, beta. I, I picked beta instead of VCR, and later on, I pitched I picked the HD instead of Blu-ray. It's just always did, wrong. Did you did you have a beta player? No, I never did. No, I, I had a friend who was a neighbor of mine across the street, and he had a beta player. We used to go over and watch his beta tapes, and I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. They were bigger, right? Yeah, they were bigger, and his beta tape machine was like a top loader, so it would like open up on the top, and you'd slide the tape in, and it would close down. I remember once when I was in my early 20s, and I was uh, working on a job somewhere, it doesn't matter, and I was working with someone else, and we were joking about VCRs and beta, and he got very defensive and went on and on about how good betas were and how they were misunderstood. It was this whole thing. I was like, it was as if like a VCR had killed his father. Well, I'm sure his father had been a big beta supporter. Yeah, I suppose. What would have happened? Really drilled it into his kid. Anyways, that's not why you called. (laughs) Well, how about we get into North Star then, Jordan? Let's do it. Here's the IMDb summary for North Star. I'm excited to see what the summary is going to be. An astronaut ship passes through a strange magnetic field on its way back to Earth. And when he emerges from it, when landing, he finds he has acquired superhuman powers and a super genius IQ. Can I guess who that's by? Uh, Sure. North Freak. Uh, nobody. It's by nobody. Oh, it's by anonymous. Oh, it's also not at all accurate. I'll be honest. I was only partially listening. What was inaccurate? Uh, the ship doesn't pass through a magnetic field. That's true. He does not emerge from a spaceship and realize he has these powers. Yeah, I don't think this person watched the show. It feels like it was the synopsis for something else. Mm. Anyways, well, let's get into it. So the opening, the opening of this show. Great um, credits. What? Yeah. What do you think of those credits? They were kind of off the wall, right? Oh, the music was great. Yeah, I liked it. It was cheesy. Um, lots of like flashing images that became uh, like uh, a sun that became an eyeball that that flashed into like a body scan and that sort of thing. Yeah, it was um, it was very cool. Yeah, very graphic, like a graphic design heavy opening. It got me in the mood for the show. That's for sure. I thought so too. I actually was just like, oh, this will be a lot of fun. I thought this will be a fun show, and it is a fun show. Yeah, and it it opens up on a space shuttle orbiting around Earth. Greg Evigan plays an astronaut named John North, who's uh, outside with an old video camera photographing an eclipse of the sun from space, and he and he's singing a little song. Do they say John North at one? It's Jack North. Oh, is it Jack? I thought it was, I thought it was John, but I I could be mistaken. I mean, Jack is short for John, so maybe they call him John at one point. Is Jack short for John? Yeah, I've never heard that in my life. Yeah, sometimes people call their John. They they could call Jack as a as a nickname. Come on, internet, back me up. I had no idea. But uh, yeah, he's out there. Do you think he was singing a, a song from Year at the Top? Oh, unfortunately, no. He was singing the Beatles. I don't know how they got to... Oh, is that what he's singing? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know if they were allowed to have the rights to that, but maybe there's a, a thing where you can sing, you know, 10 seconds of a song. He was singing uh, Here Comes the Sun. It was a little It was a little spot on. All I noticed was when he was uh, talking about getting ready for this eclipse, he would describe the sun as, she's big, round, and on fire. <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, well, he's out there floating in space. He's got it. He's got a friend inside, a man who I called the entire time Geraldo. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that's pretty good. He does look like Geraldo. I believe his real name is Bill, but I'm only going to call him Geraldo. Let's just call him Geraldo. So I got a question for you, though. They say later on when they return, they mention um, that their mission was to find a lost satellite. But it doesn't seem like that's what he's doing at all. When Jack is out there. 
he's out and like you see an eclipse i think it is and he pulls out a camera by the way he misses the first half of the eclipse so i don't know what kind of footage he's trying to get but then he pulls up the camera and that's where we'll get to when the excitement happens but he wasn't looking for a lost uh, satellite maybe it was that, like there's a few missions they had to do they did mention that they were looking for a satellite but then he also seemed to be like i need to get videotape footage of this of this eclipse from space they're like while you while you guys are up there can you also grab a grab a couple snaps i mean it's a long trip you might as well do a couple things i suppose so luke what happens so he's up there filming and what happens to the poor guy well as the eclipse ends and he's filming it i wasn't sure if it was just like a solar flare or just the idea that the sun was coming back out from around the the moon i think it's supposed to be a solar flare it doesn't look great but what you see from uh of Greg Evigan is a beam of light hits the camera, travels through the camera, and then out the eyepiece of the camera into his own eye and briefly kills him. Yeah, it looks like a little laser gun. Yeah, it goes into his brain, I guess. And and Her- he's knocked unconscious. He's like blown away from the shuttle toward Earth. And like Geraldo has to get on his own space space suit and like travel out there and save him you know what my favorite part of that was though i thought it looked actually pretty good where um geraldo's in the little i guess what do you call it like a booster what do you call that little yeah he's just in, he's in a he's like the, all the spacesuits are like very realistic so they're yeah. in kind of those little uh i guess they're probably jetpacks that kind of cart you around in space but but he's so he's going to go save uh jack and it looks pretty good but what i like is that it becomes clear in one scene that he's just having to move really slowly to make it look like space because at one point he moves really fast and then you can see he catches himself when he's trying to like buckle them and i i enjoyed that that little kept in blooper the uh actually all of the like shuttle effects the space effects everything when they're out there i mean they're not perfect but they're actually really really good i, I thought it looked pretty good and i thought the spaceship looked pretty good too for the most part i was a little disappointed though because there's actually a second pilot on the ship with them who i thought for sure was going to be another one of the characters in the show he's definitely not well, he's the lead character from uh, Dawn of the Dead. Oh, is that right? And I was like, oh, great. He's in the show. And you never see him again. I think he gets one line. So what's his face gets shot in the eyes with, with maybe a solar flare. The, what we cut to is he's at the hospital and he's got like bandages on his eyes. Clearly has had some eye damage. And uh, well, he's been in a coma for two weeks. Yeah, he's been in a coma, but he, his hair still looks great. He's got a great head of hair. And you find out right away that he's apparently like a gym teacher for the astronauts. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's like he's like something like he's some sort of like trainer for them. That's why he's always. And the first thing what I wrote, I I go, oh, he's a gym teacher. So he's a bully, I guess. And here's the thing. My note is spot on because he is not very nice. Oh, you know, I don't know. He was fine. Do you, you think he was fine? Oh, we're going to disagree with this or this whole thing. I didn't think he was a bully. Oh, yeah. He's he's a he's a he's a nasty bully. He's he's just a he's just a freewheeling all-American type. That's what they're going for, but he's a bully. Greg I think he'd never be a bully. He's a saint. I yeah, guess he's the same for us. But anyways, yeah, he's been uh, in a coma for two two weeks, but he seems okay now. Yeah, and he kind of wakes up and his first encounter with sunlight causes him to like flip out. Yeah. He starts screaming and there's he like runs to a door with like a high tech keypad on it, and you just see him like punching the keypad. And what we'll find out later is he's trying every single possible combination to this keypad. Well, what we learn is it was an impenetrable lock, but it took him five seconds. So you know, uh oh, five seconds. Uh oh, this guy has, he's got something going on. He might now, I don't know, he might now have an IQ of a thousand. Well, as he's doing it too, someone someone screams, his eyes, look at his eyes. <laughs> I know, and you'll never be able to see it. So what, what you get is the first time you get an effect that 
And I I don't know how you you might know how they did it, but basically he has like he might have contacts or something, but his eyes sort of get reflective. And I think I think they imply that they change color, although they always just kind of look the same to me. Well, there's a bit of color changing as it goes, but yeah, they kind of give it it's either a contact lens effect or maybe just like an optical printing effect to give it a little halo of yellow in this shot. But uh, basically, they know something's up with him because he can break this lock. So they call in two doctors, Dr. Allison Taylor and Dr. Carl Jans. And uh, they need to figure out what happened to North up in space. And don't worry, Doc Allison's on top of it because she's going to go over every inch of North. And he, this is the first scene where he, this is why I think he's like a bully. And this he's supposed to be like a strong, dominant man. But he hits on her nonstop from here to the end of the show in a weird, creepy, aggressive way. She like could not could not make it more clear that she's not interested. And he just keeps I pushing. Disagree. You, you disagree? She's the thing is, they're doing what they've done in so many of these sci fi shows. They don't write really any like moments for them. But the actors just have to make eyes at each other constantly because she's making eyes at him. That is true. From square one. But you don't think he's being overly aggressive? I mean, He's being a, a, a classic 80s lead. Yeah, he's, okay. he's, really, he's really letting her know how much he likes her. But we do find out that, that, that she's the best. She's the best. She's the best for her age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah. As Carl Jan says to her. But uh, as North says in his voiceover, she treated him like he was the greatest miracle in scientific history. And then we get a bit of a superpowers montage. They put him in one of those like gyrosphere sort of... Um, uh, chairs where he like can like he sits up and i don't know what the test they were doing but he, he doesn't have a shirt for it well let's talk about the powers he's gotten from his blast from the sun you mentioned his iq now goes up to a thousand it accelerates to a thousand when he's in the sun yeah he's using 75 percent of his brain capacity that's right what did they say they said uh einstein only used five percent and he used 75 percent yeah that's what he says uh, sometime later he'll say he's einstein's smarter brother i, I think i've mentioned this before writers use this all the time I hate it so much, and it's not true. It's not how the brain works. But anyways, writers love throwing that in for when people get smart. They're using more of their capacity. It's like, that's not how the brain works. Anyway. Of course, his powers don't work outside of direct sunlight. So uh, as soon as it's dark, he goes back to his regular 120 IQ, he says. Well, what do you think about this? Because this is uh, what you find out is they've added in um, a crutch for him. They have that he has got all these special powers, but they've added in, but... As soon as it's dark or he's not in the sun, he's back to normal. And this is obviously so he's not a Superman. And he can have uh, conflicts and he can lose. And, and there's things for him to struggle with through the shows. What, what did you think of that, though? That at night he's just like not a superhero anymore? I think it's better than trying to find ways to put uh, Robosaurus into every episode. I, uh, yeah, that's true. That is true. It's easier to put him in a dark room. Of the comparison of him and Robosaurus, yes, that comes out on top. If you're going to have one superpower, one of them is easier to write episodes for. But did we go through all the other powers? He's good at math. They show that. Yeah. He can solve equations faster than a computer. And the visual of this, I was laughing out loud when it happened. This is when he's writing really fast? Yeah. He's writing very, very fast on that whiteboard. But how does it call? How does it climax? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's right. He's writing really fast. And uh, maybe I'm wrong. But does he explode the pen? Is that what happens? Like, he, he does it so much the pen explodes? The pen explodes in his hand. He's solving equations so quickly. Yeah. The felt marker just bursts. Well, you know, that's be- you know that's happened to neither of us because neither of us have had our IQ go to 1,000. That's never happened. But I laughed out loud when that pen exploded because he was writing too fast, and I had to go back and watch it again. It's my favorite thing. He also can hold his breath uh, underwater for an hour. Yes, all, all his five senses are magnified. He can also read things that are a mile away. 
the, the example they use is he sees a license plate really far away. And he can hear whispers the length of a football field. <laughs> I, I love, by the way, I love that football fields are used as a unit of measurements. It's one of my favorite things. We'll also see that he can run very, very fast. Yep. Faster than a car. That's true. And that he can get super strong. That's it. He's, he's the $6 million man. New version for new generation. It's true. We, we actually see him use his super strength when he sees a couple carjackers outside of the facility, like smashing a window. Yeah. And he'll, he tears open a chain link fence. But there was something about the way it was shot. It was super anticlimactic. Like it just keeps pulling and pulling. He's like, and then he rips a fence open and then he chases them. Also, I don't know what these guys who were breaking into the car, what their strategy was. Two guys pull up in a motorbike and they smash a window in the car. And he's like, hey, you kids, stop doing that. And they're like, buzz off, old man. And they get in the car and take off. No, actually, they don't even get in the car. They get in the motorbike because he's told them to stop, I guess. Well, well, because he's tearing open a chain link fence. They're freaked out. I guess that's true. But this also introduces the idea that they discovered that there's three stages to his power. Mm-hmm. And they're all color coded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's to help the viewer know. And what, what the first color is, uh, I know one's red and one's yellow. What's the first one? Green? First color, first color is blue. Oh, it's blue. Okay, sorry. Blue. Everything's good at blue. As Doc Allison says, everything's terrific. He knows everything he's ever learned, and he acquires new knowledge easily. Right. And there's kind of a helpful tip here for this, too, is we will get POVs from his point of view with a blue tint when he's in blue. Yeah. And his eyes will be ringed in blue. This is how you can tell what stage he's at. And I know that yellow, his body goes beyond its normal limits. Yes, correct. And uh, it causes some memory loss. Big deal, right? There's a very funny scene where they try to explain this, where... An older lady who works at the facility walks by and she's like, hey, Greg, good to see you. Are you feeling better? And Greg's like, who's the new girl? And like the military chief's like, she's worked here for years. There you go. Memory loss. But we never see her again and we've never seen her before. But this is how they introduce the idea. He's losing his memories. And then, of course, the final stage, red. Which is he's dangerously close to the point of no return. That's right. It's risking brain damage, possibly death. And this was my favorite one because his eyes become like grotesquely red and puffed up. Like he's having a, like yeah. he's been stung by a bee. Like he's having an allergic reaction. It, but it's, it's, it's better than that because what you're going to see this a few times in the show, but they've clearly done some sort of, I don't know how they did it, but the top of his head is like a, a prosthetic. So from essentially the eyes up when he, when he goes into red mode, his head starts swelling and but like they got like a little toupee on the top of it every time it happened i loved it it was my favorite thing it was just watching this head swell that's amazing i'm gonna ask you a question here i watched this on youtube i think you did as well yeah i don't know if we watched the same version oh maybe not because the version i had was clearly it was it was a vhs transfer but whoever transferred it clearly had put it through some sort of process some sort of uh frame smoothing process so a lot of shots would like, you'd see Greg Evigan's face in the center of it, but the background would constantly be shifting and moving because it w- the whatever process had gone through was trying to like fix the problem. Oh, we de- we definitely watched two different videos. I didn't have that issue. And like it would be crazy. Like they'd do a cut between like you know like uh, two people were talking. They cut between the two people. Like the entire frame would like jerk hard to the right as if like the camera had swiveled suddenly. But it was all because like there was some sort of like post process that had been done when this person transferred the video. So I didn't notice his head swelling because if I I would have assumed it was something wrong with like it. Like, I mean, let me put it this way. I loved watching it this way because it was like the most it felt like I was losing my mind. 
whatever computer process had happened, it was trying to fill in so many gaps that like it was totally insane to watch. But I think I missed big pieces. Like when he was tearing open the fence, were his arms pulsating or was that just the fall? What I was watching. No, no, his his arms were pulsating. It was the same thing. They did like his arms sort of look like Popeye for that one effect, and you just see like it was. I think it was supposed to be like energy pulsating down his arms, but it looked like he had like a worm under his his arms. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think we watched a different version of this, which is funny. But you will see his head pulse when we uh, when it goes up on Instagram. Oh, that's amazing. Well, viewer, if you're going to watch this, don't watch the version I did, <laughs> unless you want to. It was amazing, but uh, it is only amazing because of how weird it looks. Did your version have the little wipes to, to commercial? Yes, I had star wipes and like a little a little uh, eyeball wipe. Yeah, for a pilot, they put in a lot of effort in what the style of the show is going to be. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, oh, I love the wipes. I was I was like, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's good to know about that pulsing head because it explains the scene that kind of followed it where they're like, they bring him into a room and they're like, we're going to explain to you what's going on with your like various color levels. And they're like, we've built this replicant of you in this glass box. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I mean, the replicant is just a mannequin in his clothes and a wig. It, but I, I just like that they're like, <laughs> it's just, it's such for a viewer, the visual to explain. Because there's there's no reason they'd have to do it for him. So they're like, okay, here's what's happening to your brain. Here's it. We've made it a model. We've had time to make a model that looks exactly like you. Except part of its head's open up so it can show its brain pulsating. Yeah, you, well, that's it. It, it. it turns and you see half his face is cut open, the mannequin's face, and there's a skull with a colored eye and an exposed, like, blue brain. And I loved it because as they turn up the temperature, or I turn up his rage or his sunlight or whatever it is, you, yeah, the, the brain in the head starts just, like, engorging out of the skull until finally his head just bursts into flames. Yeah, which sadly we don't get to see in this show, but how funny would it be if, if Greg Hefferigan's head just started lighting on fire sometimes? Well, I thought for sure they were going to make his head explode, but the <laughs> idea that like if he gets too hot, his face is just going to like burst into flames was even funnier. And this reminds me, we, we actually forgot something. Because he gets his power from the sun, so the only time he can get into these modes, like if he wants to be really smart or he wants to, I don't know, crack a code, he needs to essentially look at the sun and take in the sun's power, like he's Captain Planet. But the only way he's able to walk around outside like a normal person, he has to wear these glasses, which we forgot to mention. And they're sort of like, they look like transition lenses. <laughs> and I thought they were pretty funny looking. And also, like, he's a handsome man. These are not the glasses for him. <laughs> I mean, yes, these chemically treated glasses are the are the one thing that stop him from suddenly, like, getting smart out of nowhere and, like... I guess he can't be exposed for that long, so the glasses are to prevent him from going to red mode. I think they were trying to go for maybe like a bit of a Clark Kent thing, like his alter ego, but it doesn't. There's no alter ego here. He's just a guy who needs to wear sunglasses all the time. Now, what kind of kicks off the plot is in the middle of this power montage, and I have a. It's kind of a bit of a side note, but during this, uh, Doc Yans and his uh, friend Geraldo are are so excited because they've just won a Nobel Prize. Yeah. And apparently they found an enzyme to extend life by 10 years. And it sort of happens in the middle. Of, it's sort of in the middle of this montage. I thought maybe they discovered it from him. But no. I think it's unrelated. It's unrelated. It, there's a weird thing of like of what astronauts do and what they're supposed to be doing. Apparently in this world, the astronauts are also doing a science experiment, not like in space, but just on the side at like a lab. And the the thing that apparently old Geraldo is working with with his partner, who we don't meet for a while, is yeah, is this enzyme they've they've done. I don't know how they've decided specifically ten years they've added, but that's what they've done. 
And of course, at this point, the plot of the episode kind of kicks off when uh, when a jogging woman finds an unattended Walkman and at the bottom of a cliff is a dead Geraldo. Yeah, I didn't even know it was Geraldo at first. I had to rewind it. <laughs> you didn't you didn't recognize his good friend from space? Well, it's like it was he'd been in two scenes, you know, like two like we see him in space it wearing a suit, big suit covering him mostly. And then we see him go, hey, I won the Nobel Prize. And there's a pretty funny scene because he jumps on the back of a golf cart and it's just a shot of his ass as he like goes away. And I thought that was funny just to me. But anyways, but yeah, so it's like, oh no, he's dead. I was like, who's this guy again? But anyways, you didn't recognize his ass? No, no, because he was he, he was on his side. <laughs> well, yes, he's dead. His wife calls up north and he says, hey, no one suspects that he died from anything but an accident. But I know he was afraid of heights. So I'm pretty sure this was murder. And and, and and this is basically what what's going to be the plot, the driving force of this this show. But what I like is right before this, the military or NASA, whoever it is, sends to uh, North, okay, you're unstable. You can't go outside. Even with your glasses, you can't handle it. So you are now confined to whatever the base is. And he's like, no, I, I don't want to do that. But he stays put. So when, when the wife calls him, and she goes, I, you, you need to come to the funeral. He goes, I can't come to the funeral. I'm confined here. And she's like, okay, that makes sense. Then she goes, I think my husband's dead. He's like, I'll be right there. And he leaves. And I was like, wait a minute. How did that work out? He just told you five seconds ago he can't go. I think he just didn't want to go to the funeral. Well, I think what it was is when he says he can't go and she says it was murder, the wife says to North, she says, I need you, cowboy. <laughs> is that what she said? Yeah, and that's what convinces him to come. But he, there wasn't any scene where he uh, he had to like fight off guards or sneak out or anything. It was just like, I guess it was just on the honor system. It's on the honor system. I mean, there's no reason not to trust him. So he, he goes off and visits her and she takes him up to the cliffside where he died. And um, he's just like, well, let me look into this mysterious thing by using my new sun powers. Yeah, and he basically like grabs some dirt and stuff, and he talks about chemistry for a while. But what the bull basic point of it is, he does an experiment, and he explains to her how he's real smart, and he finds that there's some dirt, uh, dirt. There's some blood in the dirt. Yeah, he he breaks a bottle and he lights it. He lights some dirt on fire. It's it's all very. He calls it. What does he say? The police didn't do uh, chemical forensic studies. Yeah, not like him. But the best part of the scene is after he tells her this and basically says. I think you're right. I think he was murdered, you know, implying that he was beaten up here, then thrown down the hill. By the way, also, I mean, we'll get into this. This doesn't make any sense for a lot of ways, but reasons. But the best part of the scene is he then comforts um, old Geraldo's wife. They hug and the camera whip pans over to the side and shows a guy just watching them in a car. And I was like, what? What is happening? And that was that was one of my favorite parts of the show. Well, it's true because the car seems to be parked on a jogging trail. Yeah, it's like he's like right over there. He's like right beside them. From here, we cut back to the uh, the military commander, and I guess the military has been trying to figure out where North went since he went AWOL. Um, but this commander, who we've seen a few other times, did you know who this guy was? No, I don't. Uh, his, his name's, uh, I believe, Mitchell Ryan, uh, Riker's dad from Next Generation. Oh, I wouldn't remember that was who it was. But uh, well, the military's not looking for him. He's, he's, I guess he's taking a break. He's on a bit of a leisure time because we cut to him at home, and he's doing some oil painting. And he turns on the baseball game, his two hobbies put together. By the way, didn't you think that painting, it was going to be a plot point? I was sure. I was sure the painting was going to be something because it was so in the forefront of everything. I was like, oh, this is going to be something. But it's not. The guy just likes painting. I think this is just going to be a thing that comes back in other episodes where it's like, my boss, he loves to paint. Right. And the baseball game cuts out and suddenly North appears on his television. 
Because he's so smart. Yeah. What I like, though, is North, North tells him, he's like, turn on your video camera so we can talk. And the commander also happens to have a video camera set up directly next to his television. Yeah. There's, there's, it's, it was one of those things where it's to show how, like, isn't that cool? He can control stuff. And, like, this is great for, like, future episodes. But I was like, but yeah, why would he have a, had a video camera there? Also, none of this makes sense, how it works. Because I like at the very end of this, while they're talking, at the end, he just teased, like, all right, I'm done with the conversation. And he turns off the TV. And I was like, but the video camera is still on. He can still see you from the video camera. Anyway. Well, that's what you have to imagine is these are an 80s, like, big tube television and an 80s, like, huge camcorder that's in his house that happen to be set up next to each other. I guess recording him painting his paintings for later. Yeah. When North calls in, they he asks him how he did it. And I wrote down his entire explanation because it is so complicated. Oh, I'm, I knew you were going to. It's funny. I watched this and it keeps going. And I was like, I know Luke's writing this down. It's so complicated. Like, they put so much effort into trying to explain how it works. And then at the last second, they just wave it away. But here's everything. Here's what North says is how he managed to tap into this man's television and video camera to whatever television and video camera North happens to be standing in front of. I quote, I digitized the video signal into the computer, put it into an RF form, modulated an SHF carrier with the signal, sent out the addressing information on a subcarrier, and I stuffed it back up the line to you. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite part. That's got to be a new phrase. That's got to be a new catchphrase for the show. I stuffed up the line for you. <laughs> I just They go into so much detail for a while, and then clearly the writer's like, I don't know how to make this make sense. So uh, there's, I guess you stuff it up a line, and there you go. But what I like about this is he's basically saying, I know I've been AWOL. You don't know where I am. And the, his chief or manager or director or whatever the guy is, is basically like, no, like, come back. And uh, so he turns off the TV. He's like, like, end of conversation. Or he, sorry, he doesn't because you find out where he is. And he's like, don't worry, I've got our best person on the job. And who walks into her own home at that point? Yes, he's, he's in Dr. Allison's bedroom and he's destroyed her computer to do whatever the fuck he's done. Yeah. And she's just like, what? And he basically goes like, she's my new partner. How do you like them apples? And then turns off the TV. And she's like, did you break into my home? Well, I like too because she's just like, she says, I've been trying to find you all day. I've been to every fast food stand, every country western bar, every low dive. Yeah, implying that they've had a lot of time together and apparently this is the kind of guy he is. But it was also like the worst version of that fugitive speech. (laughs) Right. And I was also, as she was saying these things, I'm like, do you know he likes these things or did you just go to every fast food stand? She just, it was an excuse. She just had like a hankering for, for fries. And country western bars. And country western bars, yeah. Was that very popular in 1986? Country western bars were everywhere? Maybe. A lot of those uh, mechanical bulls. She wrote them all. Yeah. So is this where we find out that NASA gets sent a letter? Am I jumping ahead too far? Yeah. I mean, they say they're going to do an, inve- basically, he's going to team with her. They're going to do an investigation about the murder. But their investigation barely starts when basically they chief or the military commander whoever he is calls them back and says hey the police are here we got a letter we know who killed we know who killed Geraldo." yeah so it's they got a letter and it's from someone calling himself which i loved the astronaut killer and the astronaut <laughs> yeah astronaut killer and he's taking it was urko yeah, yeah he's taking credit for bill's murder that's just that's just only funny to anyone who's listened to the other uh planet of the ice podcast um so he's taking credit for bill's murder but here's what i didn't understand luke maybe you could explain this to me why would you make a murder look like an accident and then take credit for it? Maybe he didn't want it to look like an accident. He thought he thought it was obvious. No, no, he clearly made it look like an accident. You don't put you don't beat someone up, 
then toss him down a hill, then place a Walkman so someone will discover it and make it look like he fell down the hill, and then go, write a letter and go, by the way, I murdered him. Well, maybe the, maybe the Walkman just fell off during the beating. Yeah, the perhaps, perhaps. Anyway, the point is, astronaut killer. I liked, uh, they say the letter is full of stuff about the evil shuttle and the devil pilot. <laughs> yeah. This uh, this really dis- this makes North quite distraught, and he, uh, he heads to Geraldo's grave that night. Um, and of course, who else comes to the grave to visit uh, Geraldo? Apparently the murderer. Yeah, the astronaut killer's there. Yeah, and he's got a gun with him. By the way, let me mention, Bill's grave has so many flowers. Whoever did the set deck on that like went way overboard. Well, they couldn't do the pile of dirt, so they're just like, just covered in <laughs> just flowers. flowers. Like, it's just like a sea of flowers. Anyways, so the guy, the murderer's got a gun, and he's basically like, hey, I'm a murderer. And then, uh, what's his face? He's, I hate astronauts. Yeah, but thankfully, he's, uh, old Jack North is a uh, astronaut gym teacher, so he can, like, start maneuvering his way, like, by running away and hiding behind um, different uh, gravestones as the guy tries to yeah, chase Yeah, gravestones. Him. He did, yeah, now that I know he's a gym teacher, it makes a lot of sense because he does some good tumbling. Like he jumps over with them and does a tumble. Yeah. At some point, he he does a classic Planet of the Apes fight move where he jumps off of something and double like <laughs> yeah. double foot kicks the guy to the ground. Yeah. It and it works. It's an effective move. Well, he finally gets away by running back to his motorcycle because of course Jack North rides a motorcycle. Yeah. He he does a wheelie so that clearly you can shoot the bottom of water bike and not injure the bike and you can't hit the person. So that's what he does to get away. Yeah, that Papa Wheelie to escape was quite something. And that that's kind of his first encounter with this astronaut killer. Um, and I'm going to take a quick side note. We mentioned that uh, Dr. Allison and him have been a bit flirty over the episode. I disagree. I think it's mostly him. But anyway, it, I, I don't know. I think it's I think she ha- she's been giving him the eyes the whole time. But I'll let's we'll go over a little bit of their relationship just because she becomes a pretty big part coming up. Mm-hmm. But what we know about her is even though they've been flirting it up a bit, um, she'll suddenly drop on him that she she's married or at least she had a husband who went missing and is presumed dead in the andes Mm -hmm. and north takes it pretty hard he's just like oh i'm so sorry if i had known i wouldn't have done it and she's just looks at him she's like well i assume someone would tell you i was married eventually so i just kept letting it go the whole thing was very weird but it even starts with um uh, like they kind of have this like back and forth a little bit where I think they were trying to play with like the, you know, will they, won't they sort of thing. And there's tension, but there's not. Um, but at the one point, I think it starts with them having an argument. She basically says to him, like, you have to come to term with your powers. And he kind of responds with a, yeah, but you have to come to term with your dead husband. And I was like, oh, Jack, no, no, not the time. He's been missing for many years and she, and she clearly wants to, wants to hook up with him. So she's like, give me a shot. When that scene where they're kind of flirting and like, she's kind of like, they're like they start hugging she's like kind of like all right i think i will give this a chance the door opens and the military commander steps in and he's like whoops and he shuts the door and just walks out again yeah and they're just like as as you get with classic tv if two people come very close to kissing and then someone interrupts them and they go back to that moment that moment is done you are not going to kiss anymore that's what i know it's true i liked one of his lines is when he's trying to convince her he says uh I want someone who cares for me when I'm just regular old 120 IQ Jack North. Yeah, it was a real brag, huh? Is that, yeah, that's a real brag. It's like, I just wish someone would just love this gorgeous man who, like, anyone would be lucky to have. I just so wish someone would notice it. Why won't anyone love this beautiful man? Exactly. <laughs> Look at my hair. Oh, and real quickly. Look at my pulsating head. Uh, real quickly. <laughs> yeah, the, no one's going to love that pulsating head. But very quickly, he gets some new glasses. Oh, that's true. She brings him a new, a new, a new pair of glasses. This one doesn't have the uh, old lady side like blockers of the sun. Yeah, 
I, I just like, though, I mean, I kind of appreciate that they, the detail they had of, like, he's going to slowly get better, you know, equipment. But I was like, just give him the pair to begin with. Like, I don't need the scene where he gets a new pair of glasses. We already had that scene. Anyway, I only really brought up this kind of relationship there, this budding relationship between them, because this is all basically setting up stakes for when the astronaut killer kidnaps her very suddenly. Yeah, she's she's leaving the office late. She's, I think, one of two cars left in the parking lot. You know something's not right. It's dark. She's parked at the top of the parquet. Yeah, and she gets in a car, and uh, old uh, astronaut killer's in the back seat there. Yeah, and he sends a tape to the police, basically making Dr. Allison read his demands. They He wants Jack North to meet him at some sort of abandoned gas station or something, and like he's going to, I don't know, trade her life for his. It's all It's all weird, and the police are like, hey, we don't want you to get involved. You stay here. Dr. Yans has shown up again. He's was there at the start, popped up in the middle. Now he's back. And they're like, why don't you hang out with him here at the here at the old facility you you live at now, apparently. Yeah. And North's just like, well, I have news for those cops after they leave. I can hear this tape better than they can. Yeah. And what I love is you get a lot of uh, shots of ear close-ups here to let the audience know he's listening. He opens a window and allows it to hit his hit his eyes. And then he listens to the tape and he's just like, here's what I can tell from this tape from the sunlight. They're in an echoey building. Yeah. That's it. That's all he got. Yeah. But you know what? That's all he needs, though. That's not true because he has no further information. But what Dr. Yan says, he's like, listen, I may not have superpowers, but uh, I can tell Doc Allison gave you a couple clues in there that you missed out on. Yeah. And it's it's she says a couple odd like there's one odd turn of phrase, which he realizes is a poem and something like that. And he kind of makes a, a kind of starky comment. He's like, yeah, well, I made out of superpower, but, you know, I can look at a book. And he like basically figures it out what what she was. Yeah. She it's very tenuous what they're going for. But basically, she had enough time to think of a very cryptic way of telling them where she is. Well, yeah, she first uses the wrong rank for the military leader and then references a line, uh, a quote from Kublai Khan, which. Dr. Yans is able to be like, well, the military leader has that book on his desk over there. So let's open it up. And they look inside and it, the quote she's referring is, uh, I believe, says um, something about a pleasure dome. And she's like, what's a and, and he's like, what's a pleasure dome for a scientist? It's the observatory. What do you call those things? Yeah, observatory. You got yeah. it. Yeah, observatory. Yeah. Anyway, she's in a sphere. So uh, he's just like, let's head over there. And this is kind of the first time and it'll be implied again later when. At the end of the episode, he tries to get a golf cart running, but he can't figure out how to start it. So he like, it's like, let me use my sun powers and I'll get this started. And she's just like, well, why don't you just use the key to turn it on? He gets smart from the sun, but he's like a hammer. He's not a scalpel. Like his only way to solve anything is like, let me use my powers. But he's still like very stupid. Well, I think what it is, is you don't need to use your powers for everything. You know, he just he thinks like I have these powers now. I should use them. It's like, but maybe it's not applicable. But yeah, like all he learned from this tape was they're in an echoey building. This guy had to like piece the actual puzzle together. Like he's he's not a good detective. <laughs> right. But you know what I like about this next scene is they actually filmed it at some sort of uh, observatory. And I thought it looked good. Yeah, yeah. They drive out to an observatory. It's clearly winter when they shot it because there's snow around the observatory. And it just kind of gives it all a nice look. Uh, North uses his sun powers to smell Dr. Allison's perfume in the air. So they know she's at the at the observatory. Super smell. I don't think we ever talked about super smell, but he apparently has that too. He has, he's got it all, baby. They go inside and they find Doc Allison and, and she warns them this is, it's all a trap that uh, the astronaut killer was counting on North finding him here. And of course, uh, 
the astronaut killer comes out with a gun and uh, him and North get in a bit of a fist fight. And in the course of that, Dr. Jans manages to get the gun away from uh, the astronaut killer. Yeah. What do we find out? But there's a big reveal, Jordan. Should I say it? Is everyone waiting? Yeah, do it. I'm waiting. I'm waiting <laughs> patiently. The scientist was the bad guy the whole time. It was all it was all a big scheme. He he had planned everything out. It was out. all a big scheme. Yeah. yeah Doesn't make he any killed sense. Killed Geraldo. Why did he kill Geraldo? Well, what he realized was the uh, uh even though they've already won the Nobel Prize, apparently no one's checked on the uh how the enzyme works and uh I think it doesn't it uh it creates mutations, I believe, is what he found. He didn't want yes. old Geraldo finding out while he was in space. So when he came down from space, he's like, I'm going to kill him before he finds out. And thus, I can keep my Nobel Prize. I like uh, the mutations they create are kind of fun because they extend your life by 10 years. But essentially in three generations. So your grandchildren will be horribly deformed. So he figures kill Geraldo. He'll make a lot of money now. By the time the consequences come around, he'll be long dead. Yeah. By the way, you mentioned earlier The Fugitive. This essentially is the plot from The Fugitive movie. It's almost almost exactly the same movie. It's about an enzyme that ages you 10, like well, no, you ten but years? It's about uh, you find out the whole thing was about Dr. Lentz who had switched the samples because he had a uh, a liver treatment that wasn't real and the whole thing was killing his other partner so that people wouldn't find out. It's the same thing. All I remember is jumping out of that tunnel and hen houses, pancake houses, waffle houses, dog houses, whatever. <laughs> That's all I remember from that movie. Anyways, you should watch it. It's a better movie than this, but it's essentially the same plot. Interesting. Do you think they stole it then? You're saying Fugitive ripped this off? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they saw that and said, we can do better. After sort of it's all revealed, the big the big reveal of it, uh, Dr. Allison like does some weird distraction another fight ensues like they lose the gun he's like fighting the astronaut killer like up a set of stairs on a catwalk and dr allison knows the only way to save the day is to open the observatory so sunlight can get in yeah and it's got that sort of it, it doesn't quite visually work but you you get the basic idea which is where the telescope comes out you know makes a line crack line where the sun can come in and it's slowly turning so that you're hoping it will get up to Jack so that the light will go in his face and he'll get his superpowers. So while they're struggling, she's trying to have the light move over to him. But she's also fighting the old guy, who I don't even know what his name is. What is the old scientist's name? Dr. Jans? Yeah, is that his name? Anyway, she's fighting him. Yeah, well, I mean, not really. At some point, he runs over and, like, throws a fire extinguisher at a control panel, but that's about all he does. And then <laughs> what I like is uh, she just locks him in a door. She just pushes him into a cage and just locks it. And I'm like, that's him done. Yeah, he's done. Jack manages to, like, claw his way to the sunlight, and he goes all red mode, so his eyes puff up, and then he, he throws the astronaut killer to his death off the catwalk. But, unfortunately, he's gone into red zone, which we know is not good, so you get to watch his head pulsating, or at least I did, the version I watched. His head's all pulsating, so uh, Allison has to go up, and essentially, I think she covers his eyes and tries to pull him out of the light to try to save him before he dies. Well, that's it. She has to get basically get him out of the light. I thought it was very funny because she runs up to him. And the first thing she does is she just like puts her hands over his eyes. And she's like, oh, it's not working. So she just drags him out of the tiny beam of light he's in. I'm like, yeah, that was that was where you should have started. If I was there, I would have tried doing something to his pulsating head. Maybe squeeze that or something. Pop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like maybe this will work. Um, get that. Release that pressure. You'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. That wraps it up, basically. What we what we sort of see is they've saved the day. They're back at the facility. The military leader, like, announces to him that 
he's such an asset that the government is proposing Operation North Star. Yeah, which we get the name now, which is great. And essentially, they're they basically set up that what North's job will be is he will he'll travel the world solving problems for the government and just normal citizens where no one else can do it. He's like a um, an official version of the Jack uh, Jack of the Leonard Nimoy character in that other pilot we watched. Right, right. He's, instead of psychic powers, he's got sun powers. Sun powers, yeah. But as as you mentioned earlier, the last shot we get is sort of the thing we've seen now many times in these sort of shows is all right, we've now got the two partners. They're together. It's a man and a woman. And as you said, they get in the golf cart. He doesn't know how to turn it on. She's like, oh, Jack. And she turns it on. They drive away, and it does like a freeze frame of him like fist pump in the air. And I'm like, and that was the last shot, and it, it just tickled me. It was a very fun last freeze frame shot for sure. It was uh, what a silly show with some pretty fun moments, but like what a, what a, what a weird show it was. Yeah, and, and I mean, we could talk about it now, but I mean, it was about as easy a watch as you could possibly have. Like, I think watching, if this was an entire series, it's just a fluffy, silly, fun, like, Saturday afternoon TV show. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it would have sustained, but for, like, a one-off pilot, it what a weird thing to watch. So, I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Did you like it? You know what? Overall, I think I enjoyed watching it. I think it was a fun hour of my day where just a wild premise I thought Greg Evigan was so fun and watchable. The weird effects were fun occasionally, and it was it was just silly overall. And like the fact the guy looked like Geraldo the entire time tickled me. Yeah, but unfortunately he won't be back for for future episodes. I guess none of them will. But but they killed Nobody him right off the be. bat. Nobody will be. Um, I don't know, Jordan. What what do you think? What do you want to rate this? I I think we both feel very similar. Now this is not a great show by any means, but I think for what it is and the type of genre it is and the type of show that was on during this time period, I'm actually a little surprised this didn't get picked up for a couple episodes because it's not bad and it's not any less cheesy than I think other shows during this time. It's no less ridiculous than the A Team or something like that. So I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go the same way. There. There are a few moments that are laugh out loud funny, like that pen exploding. Yeah, that was great. It maybe is like a touch too long at an hour. If it was 45 minutes, I think it would have been dead on. But I, I'm going to go with a seven as well. I think certainly when it's when I watched it on a Saturday afternoon, it just struck me in the right mood and I had a great time. Yeah, I felt the same way. You you could you could do worse things than spend your uh, Saturday afternoon watching uh, old, uh, old Jack and his head expand true you could almost certainly though do much better things with your saturday afternoon as well <laughs> well well for other people who don't have to do one of these every week you know <laughs> volunteer at a hospital yeah um do a little gardening maybe yeah what's your mom up to give her a call yeah give her a call or uh watch uh, jack's head expand yeah watch some greg ev again you'll have a great time yeah all right well let's wrap it up for this episode we're coming back next week we're gonna start a new series next week Jordan, you want to you reveal the name? I can't even remember. What's it called? Oh, no, I do know what it's called. Is it Freaky Links? Yes, that is what it's called, Freaky Links. Sorry. You, you know I got memory issues. Anyways, I don't know anything about this show. I love going in blind. I think you know a little bit more about me, so it's going to be fun to see what this show is and uh, if it's uh, good or not. In the meantime, if you uh, have any information on North Star that we just desperately must know about the show, because there's very little write-ups on it out there. Like, yeah, there really it is. came and went and... All that was remembered about it was Ben Stiller making a parody pilot of it. Yeah, I bet there's someone out there who, who watched this and liked it. Anyway, email us at continuumdrag.gmail.com. Check us on Instagram, at continuumdrag. Same on Twitter. And uh, that's it. That wraps it up for this episode. Jordan, 
Yeah. Thanks for watching it with me. And listeners, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.